This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back. It is. Uh, it's always great to be back. Be back. I feel bad I missed last week, but we had a little minor emergency that we had to take care of, and that's the problem with having a host who's actually an immigration lawyer who works every day. <laughs> you don't always get to record the show when you're supposed to. Uh, D- David, I don't know if you heard the news, but uh, Mr. Boehner just announced a clean funding bill vote. No, I did not hear that. Just now. I mean, it must have breaking been just news. now. Breaking news. Just uh, just tweeted it out, and uh, it's. Uh, he basically said, we have no choice. We can't pass a bill that limits immigration. We have to fund Homeland Security. It's, I, I would say it's the, it's the big boy decision to make. It's leadership. He said, look, you know, yes, I would love to defund Obamacare, Obama también as well, but unfortunately we don't have the votes for it, so let's figure out some other way to take care of this. So at the end of the day, uh, they vote should be later today, I assume after or tomorrow, after uh, BB speaks today. Uh, and uh, maybe he announced it right before BB's speech so nobody would pay attention to it. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of House members who are mighty, mightily upset. But uh, do you think, you know, what's interesting about this is that uh, it violates the Hastert rule, the infamous Hastert rule, which is a majority of the majority has to support it for in order for the Republican speaker to, to, to bring it to the floor because the majority of Republicans is not going to support this. It is not. They're going to need Democratic help to pass it, which they'll get. Um, and so we'll, we'll put this fight behind us and we can focus uh, on the courts uh, where the Obama administration is now appealing uh, the decision of the uh, of Judge Hannon from uh, Texas. Uh, we've had a couple weeks, David, to really reflect on Judge Hannon's decision. And uh, uh, I'm still right. He's wrong. Uh, so a couple weeks just makes me even more sure that I'm right about his case, about, about his decision. And the more I thought about his rationale, uh, when you um, sue the federal government uh, for something, you have to show that you have standing. You have to show that you have the right to bring that lawsuit. Now, sometimes that right is conferred by statute. Under, for example, if I'm going to sue the I'm going to sue the U.S. Immigration Service because they're taking too long to do a case, I can go under what's called mandamus. The mandamus Act. It's an act created by Congress. It allows me to go in and say. Federal court, I want you to order the government to do a job, do a, perform a duty they owe me. Or I can go under the Declaratory Judgment Act and say, court, I want you to declare what the law is on this case. I have a jurisdictional basis to do it. Uh, but in this particular case, the states had to show that they had standing. There was a jurisdiction or some reason, they had some injury they were going to have to incur. And the more I thought about this perceived injury, the more I thought about how anti-conservative the argument is and how pro-liberal the conservative is. Let me see if you get this right. Now, you'd let me know if I'm wrong or not, all right? Because I think you have a pretty good judge of what's conservative and what's liberal, okay? Uh, at least fisc- fiscally, at least. Right, well. So this is the standing argument from the state of Texas. Uh, we are injured in the state of Texas uh, by Obama granting work permits to undocumented immigrants who, who could one day get a green card here, by the way. Um, because they will then become eligible for driver's licenses. Okay, let's assume that's true. In fact, the Supreme Court basically said if you've got deferred action, you have to get a driver's license, at least if you're giving driver's licenses to everybody else. That was the Arizona lawsuit. Now, there's probably ways around that. You can simply say we're not giving driver's licenses to anybody. All right? Uh, that, that's not a U.S. citizen or permanent resident. You could say that. Probably not good public policy, but you could say that. So let's presume that the state's going to grant these driver's licenses. Okay. Next, 
their argument is this. We charge $25 or $45. I forget what the exact number is for a driver's license. Dave, do you know what you pay in Georgia for a driver's license? It's been a while probably since you've gotten one. I haven't gotten one since 07, so I, I don't remember what I paid. But I think it's I like 50 bucks or yeah, something like that. I don't even think it's that much, is it? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, and, but the state said, but it costs us $173 to do it. Okay. So basically the state of Texas is arguing we are subsidizing um, up to, five, let's say, 500,000 undocumented immigrants in Texas. I think it's probably a little high, but let's say that, get it. So we're subsidized and we're going to lose $50 million. You know, pick a number. Okay, lose $50 million. And that's what the judge said, you have standing. You're going to lose $50 million because of this. Now, here's where I kind of get into the conservative liberal thing. One, why are you not charging the actual cost of the driver's license? One. All right. So basically what you're saying, we, the state of Texas, are in any state and want to subsidize driver's licenses for our citizens. Is that a conservative or liberal argument? That would be liberal. I, I, I agree. I think it's a liberal argument. I mean, I'm subsidizing license. So, one, judge, when you say they're subsidizing it. Two, uh, the people, what are you subsidizing it with? The second one, what are you subsidizing it with? I mean, there isn't a grand, there isn't a state of Texas business that's running, creating profits. So it subsidizes by tax dollars. Well, who pays taxes? You pay taxes. I pay taxes. You were a Texas taxpayer for a period of time in your life. I assume Texas has other taxpayers. Uh, I assume that the undocumented immigrants living in Texas, when they get work permits and can work, will pay taxes. So presumably they will be funding their own driver's licenses, right? Uh, So the conservative argument is, I think, either we're not going to fund their taxes or their taxes are going to use to pay for this. Thus, there's no damage to the state of Texas. So I think the lawsuit fails simply on the standing argument, which is, I mean, bootstrapping at its best. I guess it is Texas. You can bootstrap in Texas. Um, because it falls, and I just think it's really ironic that the Republican attorney generals rely on what is essentially a liberal argument to create standing. But in retrospect, when you think about it long and hard enough, you go, well, why are we subsidizing anybody's driver's license in Texas? Is that really the state's job to subsidize driver's licenses? You know, uh, do you really think it stops with just with just that? Uh, because well, it's the argument they why, made. They didn't make uh, any other argument. Yeah, I mean, why? Why did thirty other some odd twenty five others twenty five other states sign on? Because there are twenty six. Uh, actually, there's like I think there's twenty nine or thirty Republican attorney generals. And every one of those states that signed on were Republican attorney generals. It, and they signed on because it's politics, David. Nothing more. Okay. Then, then the next question is because every attorney general wants to be president. Oh no, they want to be governor at least. Governor. <laughs> they want to be governor at uh, least. But you know, obviously, I listened to you, and then uh, you, you you listened to the news, and there were a lot of people that are saying that it will work. And you're saying that it won't work, that it won't it won't stand up in court, yeah, or right. that it goes beyond uh, the federal court to the Supreme Court or whatever or to the court. Because ultimately, there's only two issues in the lawsuit. There's only two. One is the standing thing I just talked about. So, do you think the standing argument? That's uh, the standing me, argument. Is that going to hold you, up? Has anybody 
and and I I have a problem with with a portion of it. Mm-hmm. If a state will accept a driver's license as documentation giving you the right to vote, okay, I have a problem with that. But but so my question is: Has any state come out and said, okay, we're gonna? All right, when I was when I was in Texas and got my first driver my driver's permit, and and on my driver's license it said restricted. Must have another driver in the car. Yeah. Yada da da da. So has any state come up and said, "Okay, we're going to give the driver's license, but there's going to be a big stamp across it, across it that says restricted." Several states use, have done that. Cannot use this to vote. Or well, several something. states have done that, but I will. I want to repeat what Secretary of State Kemp in Georgia has specifically said about this issue in 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 response to your question. His response is, it is factually impossible in Georgia today, for example, for an undocumented immigrant to vote. Period. He, and he was adamant. He's a Republican. He was adamant about this. Because we use, they use what is essentially E-Verify or SAVE system to verify the immigration status of every voter. That's simply what happens. Now, I don't know if every state does that. I certainly know that Georgia does that. And, and my Secretary of State here said... I will go on the radio, I will talk to anybody, and I will tell them exactly that. You cannot vote with a driver's license in Georgia and be an undocumented immigrant. You might have a driver's license, but that's not going to let you vote in Georgia because we have other systems in place that prohibit people who aren't U.S. citizens from voting. That wasn't always the case, David. But I I, I do do love the focus as if undocumented immigrants are changing. I've actually, one, voted, and there's surely some that have. But have they changed any elections that you're aware of? No, no. In fact, where's all the prosecutions of all the people that have voted, voted illegal? I'm not going to get sidetracked by this, but at the end of the day, you have a situation where the lawsuit stands on two legs. One of those legs, in fact, it's the only leg to start with. I mean, I start with one leg. If this leg is chopped, it's gone. Nothing else matters. I think the standing argument is garbage. Uh, But I do think it's ironic that it's a liberal standing argument, not a conservative standing argument. Uh, two, the other issue in the lawsuit, as you think about this, and I loved how Ted Cruz would, after the lawsuit came, after the decision came out, the judge has declared Obama's amnesty unconstitutional. David, that's, you have to classify that as either a gross misinterpretation by a highly educated lawyer uh, or a lie. One of the, you have to do one, you have to pick one of those. Uh, you pick which one you think it is. Because while the judge talked about constitutionality and mentioned constitutionality, basically said the executive branch has got a lot of authority here. But the reason the judge put a stay on this uh, was because he felt that this was not a policy. Now we have to we have to do, be really lawyerly here for a second. There are there is the there is the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. There are treaties, one of your favorite things, are international treaties, which can become the law of the land if Congress acquiesces. You have regulations, which are interpretations of the law authorized by Congress. So Congress Congress does not spend its time in minutiae. It doesn't say, okay, you must use this form and pay this fee to file this thing at this time with this address. They leave that to the agencies, and they delegate authority to the agencies to create 
regulations. And this is actually one of the things that you know Republicans hate is all, all the regulations that Obama publishes 55,000 pages of regulations a year, which again is a gross overstatement of what's actually happening, but I understand where they're coming from. But then you have policy. All right. Or what I like to call rulemaking by FAQ. So if you're going to create a regulation, you have to go through the process authorized by the 1946 Act called the Administrative Procedures Act, or the APA. And the APA dictates uh, what has to happen for a regulation to be get into effect. You must publish it in the Federal Register. It must, be, uh, must allow for a comment period. There are exceptions for emergency regulations, which must get into place quicker. But usually, it's on, on your best days. It's a, a four to six month process for the best the best cases. And yeah, we just went through that for Obamacare, and the IRS published lots of regs, and HHS published lots of regs. But uh, they put all that stuff into place through the process. The judge took the position that the policy memos written by Jay Johnson, not by Barack Obama, not nothing signed by Barack Obama. But the policy memos... And you might, might mention Jay Johnson's ahead of... The Homeland Department Security, the Department of Homeland Security, and a Morehouse grad, by the way, if you didn't know that. I didn't. He's a Morehouse grad. He's an Atlanta boy. Um, issued by Jay Johnson, violated the Administrative Procedures Act because he saw them as regulations and not policy. Let's take a quick break here and come back and talk a bit more about this because it's a fascinating interest, intersection of law and immigration. We'll be back here in a second on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe, as far as we know. <laughs> Nobody else has made that claim, as far as I we're, know. We're, we're beaming out to the we're beaming stars. out to the. Uh, you know, one day somebody on Pluto living there will say, <laughs> "Hey, that message finally came through." So we were just talking about this distinction, David, between laws and treaties, Constitution, of course, regulations and policy. Now, what's been interesting, and I've been practicing immigration law now for twenty-five years, and back. When I started practicing law, um, immigration law, uh, Congress had just changed uh, a lot of immigration law through the Immigration Act of 1990. It happened the year after I started practicing immigration law. So there was a lot of regulations that went into effect. And I remember I was part of a regulation commentary team with AILA. It was my first things I ever did in AILA was comment on regulations for AILA. And uh, 
today, uh, while publishing regulations does occur, uh, it's an entirely different ballgame. And it's not just within immigration. It's without, throughout the government. It's become rulemaking by FAQ. And this is, there's nowhere more plain that this occurs in than at the Department of Labor, at least from my perspective. Uh, when they created a new program for foreign alien labor certifications, where you have to show there's no qualified U.S. workers, they, they created regs that set some criteria, but the regs themselves were rather vague about how things worked. So they began a series of FAQs. FAQ, and I have literally tell you, it's FAQs up to number seven or eight. It's, a whole, it's literally hundreds of questions. What about this? Well, in this case, you do that. So if Judge Hannon's opinion is actually going to be the law going forward, let's say somehow standing still is found, even though the state of Texas relies on a, on a radically liberal argument about uh, state intervention uh, and funding of driver's licenses, uh, is it really a regulation when you set enforcement priorities and how you're going to enforce this. He took the position, well, because you're giving work authorization to these people, uh, that's, that requires regulation. That's true. If you're going to give work authorization to somebody and you haven't done it before, key, then there must be a regulation to do so, except this is one of his legal errors. They did do it before. When DACA came out, after DACA came out, they published a regulation that created work authorization for deferred action individuals in that situation, which is equally applicable to DOP because it's the same process. So he, he founded his idea of deferred act, of this having to go through the Administrative Procedures Act on a legal error that he made by not recognizing that the administration does not have to republish what it already has in place. Now, if that becomes a law, David, I'm actually excited by that. Now, I'm not excited that, that DAPA would start, but I'm excited that I can now challenge every rulemaking by FAQ that the immigration has done. Because you know what that will do, David? That will shut down the immigration service. Because they owe us probably thousands of pages of regulations that we would have to go through in order to actually replace all the FAQs and policy memos that currently govern how we do. And this is why I feel sorry for a lot of younger lawyers, is I've had 25 years to digest all of immigration history and legacy INS and the policy memos and the FAQs. If you come into immigration today as a new lawyer, not only do you have to read the Immigration Nationality Act, which itself is several hundred pages long, you have to read the regulations that are currently in place, which are hundreds and hundreds of pages of long, long, and then you have to find all these policy memos and try to understand what they mean in the context of the regulations and, and laws. Uh, it's, it is a tough area of law to get into today without a substantial base of knowledge to rely upon because it's just so darn complicated. Which is <clears throat> so there's a very my good position segue. on the judge. Okay, uh, and that's a very good segue. Because you never heard that on the talk shows, have you? You never no. heard this analysis. No. All you've heard is the judge was right. He stopped Obama's amnesty, and uh, it'll be upheld in the courts. Our, but they never tell you why. Our MSNBC says it won't be. But anyway, right. um, you brought up a very – you said something very important and uh, uh, regarding young attorneys coming in and the amount of information they would have to learn and, and you know – it's. I don't know if you know the ICD-10, which uh, 
doctors, physicians are looking at. Okay, no, I do not. Uh, this is the new regulation. You know, when you go in for your checkup or something, the doctor circles all the different codes yeah. and yada, da, da, da. Well, it's going from 15000 up to 68000 <laughs> I mean, and, and it's, was this by... Or is, this what, is it designed to like just really get to the root of a specific problem? Says an elbow pain. You can actually go elbow pain that's rooted in tennis elbow, that's rooted in the ulnar nerve, or it's it's just beyond. But sixty eight. How's a doctor no. going to know sixty eight thousand codes? They, they can't. I mean, this and this is supposedly going towards uh, world control, world medicine, and you know everybody's on the same game table but you can't I mean and and we're the only country that will be using it utilizing it for billing as well and it's it's beyond oh all I see is massive billing errors and unpaid bills is what I see and yeah chaos but this comes back to what you were saying about immigration you said it I mean it it is huge and there's there's too many T's and too many I's and can we cut to the chase? Can can it be? Can an immigration? Can you simplify this? Yes, there, absolutely. I mean, not just sort of simplify it. Bring it down from however many thousands of pages down to. The answer to that question pages. is: you yeah, absolutely you could, except that would require two things, which is really one thing, which is two political parties willing to talk about it, which we don't. We don't have. No, we don't have, and it's reflective. Really, could they fix this doctor thing? Sure, but you require two things. Two political parties willing to talk about it. Uh, we have allowed politics, literally, and I think this is actually because of the mainstream media, and I include Fox News and MBS. They're all in the mainstream media. Anybody who thinks that Fox News and MSNBC aren't the mainstream media, they clearly are, along with CNN and MSNBC and CBS. And We have allowed politics... And this, I must win at any cost of politics, intrude directly into our ability to both govern and to live. Think about that. So how, how do we stop it? Well, I think by electing a bunch of independents to Congress would be a really good start. But, you know, how hard that's going to be to have happen? That, that's sort of like, I, I am a staunch supporter of term limits. Oh, I absolutely agree. I agree wholeheartedly. No, because it's not in anybody's interest, other than the few of us who believe in term limits. If I ever ran for office, David, I would absolutely live by term limits. I would. Now, the problem in our Congress is that you don't get assignments and committee chairs based upon merit. What do you get them on? Time. Time. And so you're rewarded for not Obeying your, requ- your your own desires to have term limits, and that you always hear it from politicians. Well, I believed in term limits, but now that I've got this position, you know, I'm doing so much better for my constituency. Yeah, for your constituency, isn't your constituency in reality? Yes, you represent a district, but aren't you representing America? Aren't you representing everybody when you show up there? And shouldn't you make decisions based upon what your own internal beliefs are? Because you're, you're elected on your internal beliefs, what you believe, what those are. And then apply those to a, a given set of facts, not what's going to be really good to get that you know submarine base in my district. I mean, we got to build submarine somewhere. I understand that, and you might as well be in your district. But is it really in the country's best interest to even build the damn submarine? I mean that that and that's where I think you have to get the change, uh, David. I actually just I'm in the middle of reading a series of books. Uh, I, as you know, I read a lot of fiction. No, I didn't. I, 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 well, David, I, I, last year I read 175 books. Yeah. I love Kindle. 
I mean, I just love Kindle. Kindle Unlimited is amazing. Um, Ten bucks a month, all the books you want to read. And basically all their books are on it. Uh, but I've been reading a series of books, and I can't even remember the author's name, because I usually don't pay attention to authors, I just read the books. And the first book is called uh, The I Candidate. And it's about an independence uh, 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 campaign, a high school history teacher being challenged to run for Congress if all his best students get A's in their final exam. And it's a fascinating, and it becomes the I candidate, the I congressman, and the I speaker, which is I'm on right now, and then finally the I American. Uh, I would encourage you to, if you got a, on your trip to Hawaii, you have a Kindle, don't you? No. You have an iPad, right? No. You don't have an iPad? My you, wife does. I don't. You don't have a pad of any kind? You got a phone? I have a phone. Yeah. All right. You should, you should download the Kindle app. You have Amazon, don't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, a roll for the ten bucks a month for I for the Kindle and download these books. You will enjoy them. You will really enjoy them because of what we're talking about right here. So we've allowed politics to really control every issue, whether it's Obamacare. What I mean, is it good for America to have a health care system? This is a simple question from your bailiwick, from your wheelhouse. Is it a good idea to have a health care system in America? that doesn't ignore people who can't afford it? No, I, I mean, we had a system that took care of those people prior to Obamacare. Well, it's called the emergency room. Called the emergency room. Yeah, but, but was, was that... No, and you had, we had other things. We, so. we, well, the reality is we had the emergency room. And we okay. still have it. And we still do. But is that good for the country? To have a series of people who rely on an increasingly smaller number of emergency rooms because of the overall cost. And who goes to the emergency room besides poor people? Really sick people. Wouldn't it be better to have an affirmative system in place where you could go in and get some treatment? I'll give you an example, David. I went to the doctor this morning because I developed tennis elbow somehow not playing tennis. (laughs) I think it's iPhone elbow. Now, I have sucked this up for five months. And it has hurt a lot. Now, it didn't hurt bad enough for me to the emergency room, but I finally went to the doctor uh, who's going to give me a steroid injection, which means I won't have to have surgery five years from now because I ignored an increasingly bad pain in my elbow. But that's what people do who don't have insurance. I have insurance, so I went to the doctor. If I don't have insurance, I'm going to wait till it's so bad my elbow's falling off. I'm going to walk in the, in the emergency room and I say, well, I have to take your arm off because it's completely dead now, and sorry, you only have one arm. Is that good for society? I mean, that I mean, have to ask the general. I mean, that's ignore the politics. Should we have in a country like ours, a wealthy, first world, preeminent country, should we have a system in place where you can get preemptive care? I think the answer to that question is yes. Now, how, the, the, the details of well, how are you going to do it? Are you going to force everybody to buy insurance? Well, mandate is that the word? A mandate? Well, we do do that for car insurance, right? You're mandated to get car insurance. You can't drive without car insurance, right? If you drive without car insurance, what do you get? You get your car taken. Out. You get your car You'll literally take your car away. I mean, they'll, they'll they'll give you a ticket, pull you on the side of the road, and haul it away. So you maybe you don't think we should have car insurance. I think it's good people have car insurance. Although the Georgia legislature doesn't because they don't let people who are undocumented get car insurance even though they own cars um, uh, because they don't have licenses. So it's also, it's not, this is not a unique thing where the first time in American history we're going to mandate you do something. We mandate you pay your taxes, right? So we do mandate stuff. Unless you're or, Al Sharpton. Or, well, exactly. Uh, who is? He's not a good person. I'm sorry. He really is 
Not a good, I can't stand his show. It's just like, ah! It's been taken off the air. No, no I don't think so. Really? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah, just uh, last night or today or something. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good for America. Uh, we'll be better for it. Um, but what else could we do? And this is what this is what the Republicans need to do, David, on health care. We'll get back to immigration in a second. What's their plan? Let's come back here to the, America's Web Radio and the Immigration Hour. Talk to you in a bit. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámalos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, so we were talking about immigration and health care, and the idea, what will take for immigration to get fixed, it will take either a massive independent movement being elected, which, David, unfortunately, because of Citizens United, because of unlimited money in politics, basically is not going to happen unless some uber-wealthy guy says, you know what? Let's say Warren Buffett, you know, I'm, Bill Gates comes out and says, you know, I'm not going to cure AIDS in Africa anymore. I'm going to fund 435 candidates in the House to run against every incumbent. And their budget is unlimited. Okay? That happens. You know, if I was a multi-billionaire, I might do that. You know, the thing is, Obama spent a billion dollars on his campaign. Well, so did Romney. So, well, so did Romney. You know. I mean, they both spent a billion dollars, David. Uh, so Gates' uh, worth is seventy nine billion. billion. So what? What's one or two billion? I mean, just knock it off there. I think that would be a. But that would only be seventy nine people, and you got four. <laughs> um, so really, not going to fix the, this, this idea. Can we? Can we simplify immigration, David? I could do that on the back of a napkin in a couple of hours. You know, are we going to fix it? I think it's maybe the not. other question is. What are we going to do if all of these things aren't fixed? And it's not just immigration. You know, they, everybody ties immigration in with with welfare, with which is know, misplaced, this, which is not that. true. I mean, there's, there's no immigrants, undocumented immigrants, in welfare. We we solved that problem yeah, with Clinton. But, but this perception, because you got blowhards on mainstream media saying stuff like that, people believe it. And as you know, like everything in life... They're taking our job. Yeah, they're stealing our women, they're reading our Bibles, they're doing all kinds of, eating our dogs, whatever kind of crazy stuff people come up with. But when you actually look at facts, facts, I'm not going to say facts don't lie, because facts can lie, in fact, if you misinterpret them, but you look at the actual facts on the ground and see the actual people involved, 
you will find a way to fix this problem. But when all you care about are big industry who oppose immigration reform, uh, whose interest is in a continuing flow of undocumented workers, uh, when you look, and that's from, from the GOP kind of side, and then you look at the, uh, the folks uh, who like having this tiered system in the country because they can generate votes from it, uh, who has the interest in fixing other than people like me, David, who say, for 25 years I've looked for a way to make this easier. And the only thing that's happened in 25 years, it's become increasingly complex. Let me give you a, a prime example, David. And this just happened with illegal immigration. We have a thing in immigration law uh, called the L-1 visa. An L-1 visa is when Coca-Cola in the, U- in the U.S. wants to bring to the U.S. one of their employees in the U.K. Maybe he's going to learn the secret formula. Maybe he knows what kind of sugar to put in. I mean, maybe he's just an executive. And they can bring him over under an L-1 visa. If you're a big enough company, David, and you do lots of these L-1s, you can get what's called a blanket L-1. That means instead of going to immigration every time and getting each individual approved, you've shown your trustworthiness as a company, and you can just have them go into the embassy with a, with a smaller form that shows that they themselves qualify and can come to the United States. Uh, but you only get this if you really qualify with immigration, have a long history of, uh, uh, of doing the right thing and obeying the law and have a big enough uh, a base of, of money in your company to justify this. Uh, so we had a client uh, who, who has a blanket L-1, and one of their employees went to India, which is where she's really from, to get his L-1 visa. And they talked to him and said, so what do you do with the company? He said, well, I, the company has developed a software that we use internally, and I do X, Y, Z, plus this and this and that, and I'm coming for two years to do this to train American workers so they can get better at it, and then I'm coming back to India. Denied. Why? Um, you know, we don't think you fit. You need to go ask immigration for an individual visa. This is frustrating, David. So a system designed, and that was it. Leo, I have a transcript of the interview. I mean, this system designed to streamline the process, to save the company thousands of dollars, to save immigration thousands of dollars a time. And now because one officer says, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like what you're doing. You know, maybe you're taking jobs from Americans. I'm, saying, I'm training Americans, and I'm coming back. I'm not taking a job from Americans. Uh, we have to go through a, a 30-day process instead of a 20-minute process to get him. He's going to go back to the embassy with his new approval notice, and guess what he's going to get? A visa. What have we just accomplished? Nothing. So it's not just the law that's a problem. It's the implementation of the law by government bureaucrats who don't see their job to facilitate society and business, but see their job to instead avoid fraud or any indication of fraud or to be the thin blue line and protect America from anybody coming in. I mean, we can't run a free society if we don't have an immigration system that works judiciously and easily for people who want to come here. Uh, the other day, David, you're going to like this. I don't know if you saw my posting on this, but I was in an ad that ran on TV during the Daytona 500. I missed it. Okay. And uh, do you know who was in this ad with me? There's two of us in the ad. Uh, Danica. I wish. <laughs> it was Grover Norquist. Now, you know who Grover yeah, Norquist yeah. is. Uh, Grover Norquist and I were in this ad run by the National Immigration Forum. 
And I love something that uh, that uh, Grover said, which is immigrants and immigration is the secret sauce that makes immig- makes America what it is today. It's the secret sauce. It's what we need to grow. Immigrants don't cost money. They create money. They create wealth. Uh, when I talk about this in, uh, uh, in, in uh, crowds among business owners and, and others, we tend in America sometimes to think that there is a pie. And the pie is eight inches in circumference. And the pie will never get. And people that come and want my pie, they can't have my pie because my pie is only this big. And if I give you a piece, I can't have the rest of my pie. But I think that's a liberal way. And that's, again, we have a lot of anti-immigration people looking at this from a liberal point of view. The pie is this big. David, how big is the pie? Big as you want it. Big as you want it to be. There's no limit to how big your pie can be. What do you need to make more pie? You need more immigrants. You need more, you need more secret sauce. You need more apples. You need more crust. Well, you don't get that if you have a static population and a static number of people. You need to bring more people in that want to be in your pie. And then, sure, you can have a piece because I'm going to get full eaten the part of the pie that I want. And at the end of the day, if we are having arguments that are limiting the size of our pie, we're having a liberal argument. We're not having a Republican argument about this. Uh, and I would like to see finally some Republicans come out and start calling people on that and saying, look, you are making the argument from the liberal point of view. Hilariously, a lot of Democrats make the conservative argument. Let's make our pie bigger. And then we can all benefit from that. I, it's amazing how sometimes these politics get a little confused because something comes out of one GOPer's mouth. You think it's conservative, but when you spend a little time thinking about it, like you spend a little bit of time thinking about Judge Hannon's decision, and you go, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. When he says Obama should have created a regulation for this without realizing, one, there's already a regulation in place for it, and two, the rest of it, as you said in your opinion, the administration can interpret what Congress says and create immigration priorities. What's very interesting, David, is there were 12 different things that Obama did on the number 12 through Jay Johnson. The judge only stayed two of them. The rest are still in place, including what's called the Priorities Enforcements Memos. Now, unfortunately, the Priority Enforcement Memos are not as effective when DAPA and DACA have been stayed, which is why it's very important for DAPA and DAPA to get back into effect because it makes the enforcement priorities much easier to implement and much more fair going forward. So... As we move forward, as we wait for the Court of Appeals in uh, New Orleans, by the way, do you know why they delayed filing the appeal? I found this out afterwards. It was Mardi Gras. Oh. Well, there are important things. Yeah. It was more important things than, uh, than the lives of five million people. It's got to have a party in Vega, in, in, uh, in, uh, in New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, so there's a lot of other stuff that's happening, though, David, I think we want, we want to talk about. Um, there was an intriguing argument. I've talked about this, I don't know how many times, David. We have an election coming up. Oh, David, before we get into that, I want to say two words to you. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no. What do you mean, email? I don't have an email. I am the queen. I have subjects to take care of emails for me. I don't have dirty my hands. Oh, except for my personal email. I'll go through it for you and let uh, you, know you know what's in there. No, nothing you'd like to see is in there, I can assure you. When I heard that today... <laughs> I was stunned. Not only stunned, but 
you know. Were you really stunned? She, she put your life at risk. She put my life at risk. Our family's lives at risk. This lady shouldn't sweep my floors, in my opinion. Well, she shouldn't be president of the United States, in my opinion. No. No. Uh, and this may be the this may be the final piece that people finally wake up and say, she thinks she's above you. Now, here's what's interesting. The reporter, I was listening to the reporter this morning who broke the story in the New York Times. So you can't say the New York Times is a liberal rag if they're breaking stories about Hillary Clinton not obeying. There apparently is a regulation, and there was when Hillary was uh, in the State Department, that um, uh, all cigarette emails be on their servers. So if you're, if you're an employee of the Department of State and you're commuting by the Department of State business, you should be on their servers. Now, the regulation, I haven't read the reg, but apparently it's not a completely clear, but that seems pretty clear to me. And the Clinton's position is, well, it, the emails of, that she wrote to Department of State employees about Department of State business are on the, are on the servers because they're on the other people's emails. Okay, I'll give you that. What about the emails you didn't send to the Department of State employees about Department of State business? Where are those emails? Now, that, now I don't think she has any choice at this point if she wants to actually run for president of the United States, but then to turn over all of her emails. I but even then, David, them. well, but we know she has them because she turned some of them over. But here's the deal. When you have a, a Hotmail account and you delete it, I don't think, I mean, I think Hotmail keeps that stuff for a while, but I don't think they keep it forever. And I don't know, you know, what her email, maybe it was Kissy Lips, uh, you know, 43, and so, uh, or 41. From what I understand, she reserved the name, some, you know, something, I am the Secretary of State. At Hotmail.com? And, and, I don't know what it was. But <laughs> she, she, uh, but she, I just did it the, the, she did it the day that she was um, sworn in. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I found out on radio. First, Colin Powell did the same thing. He had his own personal email. But this reg wasn't in effect then. Okay, And he never turned over any of his emails. I mean, I don't think he was subpoenaed for them, but I don't think he turned them over. Oddly enough, Condi Rice didn't use email. Exactly. Isn't that stunning to you? No, I think that was probably pretty smart. Well, I think so, but isn't that just weird, though? Dan, how long have you been using email? I mean, I, you know, for a long a, time, yeah, yeah. for a long but, time, to be Secretary of State and not use email, you know, Obama's got email. I can't wait to read those in twenty years. Those are going to be fun. I just think it's hilarious that she just didn't have email. Um, wow, what a brilliant way to get around the problem. Just everybody else write emails. Write this for me, okay? This is what I want you to say. Great, go ahead and send it. That's why you said I, don't, I didn't write any emails. Thank you very much. I just thought you'd get a kick out of Hillary Clinton today. I, just, I, oh, knew, I, I, knew, I knew that we'd get your dander up a little bit, David. I, oh, it's it's been. I, 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 I kind of felt that that might be the case. You know, I, I guess. I, it, and this all does come back to immigration. It comes back to everything, and that is, you know, we talked about, or you talked about, the fact that uh, the two parties won't talk. Well, you know, they it's it's past politics. And it's uh, just like I said with Hillary on on this email situation. We've got politicians that are above all of us now. Are they think not all are. of them? Not all of them. I don't think all of them do. Th- that. I don't think you'd agree. Not all of them are like that. Many of them. But many of them are. And you know they jeopardize 
the whole ball game. I I agree. They they they, they well they changed the rules of the ball game. Sure. We're not playing baseball anymore. We're playing cricket, and nobody knows the rules of cricket, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah. At least yeah. I don't know. Do you know the rules of cricket? I don't know the rules of cricket. David, should we take a final break here yeah. on the Immigration Hour and come right back with our final segment here on America's Web Radio? Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour in America's with David. David, we were talking about this whole politics thing. Um, and uh, do you know who Governor Scott Walker is? Have you heard of Scott Walker? He, sure. Uh, and uh, he was kind of the darling of CPAC uh, that just ended. Uh, although won once again by Rand Paul. Yeah. And before that it was won by... Rand Paul. <laughs> exactly, Rand Paul. And before that it was Ron Paul. So uh, no, it's, it's been three years it's been... Rand, but before that who won it? Yeah. Ron Paul. <laughs> so it was the same because a lot of libertarians go to CPAC. I mean, so nobody cares who wins anymore. Everybody cares who came in second. Although Jeb had a decent showing. He got 8%. I mean, that's not bad at CPAC because it's the most conservative of the conservative. Um, but uh, Scott Walker was the darling. And two years ago, do you know what he said about immigration in 2013? We should have comprehensive immigration reform. We should fix this problem and be done with it. You know what he said? Last week? That's what we said last week. On immigration, my view has changed. I'm flat out saying it. I oppose amnesty. I oppose immigration reform. We need to secure the border. You know, this is the problem with one-dimensional politicians. Okay, I get it. What's your plan after that? Well, we'll look at it. That's not a plan. We'll look at it as not a plan. Secure the border, actually, David, is not a plan. You know, again, how are you going to do that? How many, do you want an aircraft carrier to be stationed on the Rio Grande? I mean, is that what you want? I mean, what, what do you want? It's going to have a hard time getting in there, but we, we could probably jam it in there if we fly it in, maybe. A bunch of UEs, you know, 16 UEs picking up an aircraft carrier. But probably, that probably wouldn't be enough, would it? Um, what's your plan? And once again, we're faced with a national politician who speaks what he thinks primary voters want to hear. And we'll offer a plan. You know who didn't do that at CPAC? Jeb Bush. He did not repeat what primary voters want to hear. He repeated the truth, which is, look, I want to secure the border. I think it's vitally important to secure the border. But I'm also willing to deal with the fact that 11 million people aren't going to go home, and we should have a pathway to legality that makes that happen. We don't have to make them citizens, but we need to have a, we need to have a plan. And he got actual applause for that. 
because he was willing to say what the reality is. And here's the problem when you have lots of ideologues that vote in primaries and that, that bring people out like Rand Paul and Scott Walker. They're ideologues. You can't win a general election and be an ideologue. Exhibit A, Mitt Romney. You can't be an ideologue and win a general election. That's just not how it works. Who epitomizes this more than Bill Clinton? The man created his own new political party, the the, the Democratic that that that, that liberal I and mean, the conservative Democratic caucus. He basically moved the Democrats to the to the right, so he could run for president because he knew. And he, if you say nothing else you want about Clinton, the man knows politics. At the end of the day, you might like not like him for that, but he knows politics. People vote in the middle. And general elections, and now you have a situation, and then finally the mainstream press is looking at it and go, according to exit polls, and how many times have I said this, John McCain won 31% of the Hispanic vote in 08. Four years later, Mitt Romney got 27%. Unless Jeb is the nominee, the number is going to go lower, and the odds of a Democratic victory is likely to be an all but a certainty. A certainty. According to the New York Times, the number of Latinos who went to the polls since 2004 have increased by 25%. 25%. Now, Hispanic support for Democratic nominees increased by 14 points since 2014, the biggest shift toward Democrats of any voter group. Wow. So, what do you got? You can. What we're saying here, we can pay all this attention to CPAC. We can pay all this attention to what's going on in Congress. But unless the GOP wants to remain nationally a minority party and unable to win the White House for a generation, they have to talk about immigration. And talking about it from a conservative or a Republican point of view is the answer. Yeah, you're going to have Republicans, and Boehner's going to have to get rid of this Hastert rule and realize he's going to pick up conservative Democrats as well as central to to left-wing Republicans, or you might call them rhinos, to pass a bill. And if you do that, the Senate will pass the same bill. That will pass the Senate because then it's full of rhinos and, 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 and conservative Democrats. It'll pass, and Obama will sign it. And yes, you can have difficult stuff in there. So to fix immigration, sure. You can have a bill that says you're not going to be eligible for citizenship, but we'll give you a green card okay? uh, if, you're, if you've been here for longer than five years, if you've got U.S. citizen kids. If you learn to speak English, if you have no disqualifying criminal convictions under the law, yes, we're going to let you do that. And we're going to do it over a period of 15 years. And people that are in the line today are going to get a green card before you, and they can get citizenship. You do that, one, you take the issue off the table, and we can get down to real serious business. Because, David, one thing that really struck me as I was thinking about this the last several weeks, we spend so much time in American politics talking about immigration, and yet... It doesn't impact 97% of Americans because immigration is really the undocumented kind. That's 3% or less of Americans, 3%. Not really that many people. And of Americans, say less than 10%, around 10% are immigrants. So a vast majority of people aren't even impacted by this. So why are they so damn angry? If you're not impacted by it, why are you so damn angry about it? And that's, I don't have an answer to that question. You ever Why are you robbed? saying about it? What? You ever been robbed or your home broken into? Or uh, I have been robbed, yes. Uh, whatever. So you you felt violated, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, you do. 
so I think I think this is the mentality of that has been been driven by either the media or politicians or whatever that we are being violated by people crossing our borders and you know that and what, that's what, under, I understand what, that what you and I have so talked how, about if for you years get robbed now. what do you do to make sure it doesn't happen again you put up your your fence you put okay. up your, your what alarm else do you system do? you you what else do you do do everything you can to guard against you arrest it. people that yeah. that are doing it what else do you do anything that you can really. do you raise people to believe that it's wrong to rob yeah so you get rid of the problem so you you try to change laws you try to make ways that the problem goes away both through a deterrence effect and through an affirmative process. But it never does go away. But it can. Lots of problems in America go away. Okay? Uh, if, but only if we focus on both the deterrence effect, we don't want you to do this anymore, and the positive effect. Here's alternative things for you to do. But here's the problem with people that are I understand. I probably broke in my house. I'm pissed off. I want that person punished. Okay. But the next day, somebody else is going to do it. Okay, I put bars on my windows. Now nobody's getting in. Now I'm living in a prison. I don't like living in a prison. So I want to have people not break into my house. Okay, instead of breaking into my house, let's see if we can figure a way for you to get a job. You don't have to steal from me. You can earn your money simply and easily by working. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to give you some job training. We're going to figure out a way for you to get a place somewhere that's appropriate for you. See, that'll cure terrorism too, right? Well, I don't know. Does it work for terrorism? Because we're not talking about sane people. A lot of people rob, David, to meet life's basic necessities, not because they're necessarily evil people. Terrorism are evil people, and there are evil people in the world, and that's a, there's a different way of dealing with them. Immigrants that come here undocumented aren't evil people. They're just trying to feed their families, and I you would do the, the same thing. I brought the terrorists up because that was, What's that? that was, I brought the terrorists up yeah. because that was one of... Uh, it's a good point. I mean, uh, it's a legitimate point to bring up. You know, uh, what they said the other day that uh, um, Obama's people had come out with, or, or the... Secretary of... Oh, yeah, we need to give him jobs. Yeah, yeah I understand that. Jobs. But, and the same as the immigration. So if you don't want illegal immigration, one, it's already illegal, right, to come in illegally um, uh, without papers. Uh, we already built the fence, a lot of the fence. In other places, we either can't build it. <laughs> we have built We built the vast majority of the fence. There's other places we simply can't build it right now. I mean, whether it's ecologically sensitive areas, whether it's just prohibitively expensive areas, whether Congress hasn't even allocated the money for it, which they haven't. Okay, um, but in those areas, there's sensors, there's other things that, that that stop the flow. We have five times as many border patrol agents as we've ever had in American history, uh, all armed to the teeth, um, legitimately in many cases. Uh, but again, I believe people will not come illegally if they can come legally. And I'll give you a great example of this. Uh, this last summer, we had a refugee crisis on our southern border. And that's exactly what it was. Women and children fleeing violence in their home countries. The Obama administration has now created a program for people in that situation to seek refugee status in their home country and come here. That process is working. I think we will see this next summer. There will be people coming legally. I mean, school's out. Now you can come. But far fewer. Why? Because we have a system in place to have people come legally. Great. Nobody complains about legal, well, some people complain about legal immigration. That's what a lot of these people don't, don't understand when you have these anti-immigration groups. They don't just want to stop illegal immigration. They want to stop all immigration. 
And when you align yourself, people want to stop all immigration, you fall into a different category than conservative. You become a nativist. You become an anti you become a know nothing at that point. And you want to hurt the American economy. That's a liberal point of view, not a conservative point of view. Um, to create a system to come come in legally, can we do that? Sure. That's that's easy. It's easy. And to say you'll do it only after you stop illegal immigration is a joke because you won't stop illegal immigration unless you have a system people come in legally. You cannot do one without the other. Uh, so, Dave, this has been a really good discussion today about, about these issues and about Judge Hannon. And I think uh, I would hope that Judge Hannon would handle the case. Ex- I mean, the, the Court of Appeals will handle it expeditiously, but I, I'm actually just not sure that they will, only because it's a very sensitive issue. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to have a lot of people that um, – uh, that'll be very happy when the Court of Appeals finds that uh, the judge's injunction should be lifted and DAPA should move forward because there, one, is no standing, and two, even if there were, there is no basis upon which to require the administration to have filed the APA. Um, and uh, while I think Judge Hannon spent uh, at least a little bit of time over the weekend writing his 123-page decision, he could have used some edits and he could have used a little more thought upon the legal process. But when you're hell-bent on making a decision. When you're held bent on saying, I am going to find a way to stop this, you will find a way. You can, in the law, you can always find a way. But that's why we have appeals courts. And that's why we have the Supreme Court to make final judgment on this case. Now, health care comes up for an argument pretty soon, doesn't it, David, on, uh, on this whole state, uh, state uh, uh, what do they yeah. call it, the exchange issue. Exchange, that's coming up yeah. here soon. That should be kind of a fun oral argument. be fun how that, how that turns out. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court is already issuing other decisions, however. I mean, they're not, they're not hearing one case this, this, this term. They've got like 80 cases hearing this term. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what side the Chief Justice comes down on. So uh, until next week, we will uh, stay tuned for that. And as well as any other immigrations that come up, if you have any questions, you can always email me at chuck at immigration.net or visit our website or my Facebook page, Charles Cook or Cook Immigration Partners. And we're happy to take your questions. Until then, have a great week. Signing off on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.